Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, I am very pleased to have one of my heroes on the show with us today, Pastor DeForest Sores, who is the author of the new book, Say Yes When Life Says No, as our in-studio guest this week. Pastor Sores, welcome to the program, and thank Brother you. Brother Gunter, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for taking the time to do what you do. Oh, well, well thank you. Um, as I said, you're, you are one of my heroes. I've heard you speak several times at, at your church there, and when I saw on LinkedIn that uh, you had this book, Say Yes When Life Says No, I said, I have to have him on the program. So thank you for really interrupting your busy schedule. But before we jump into the book, Say Yes When Life Says No, uh, can you share with our audience a little bit about your education and background? Sure. I am the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church of Lincoln Gardens in Somerset, New Jersey, where I have served since November of 1990. Uh, my ministry here has focused on spiritual growth, educational excellence, and economic empowerment. We are a church that is committed to helping people have a closer relationship with God, develop the God-given intellectual capacity that they have, and to do well financially. Uh, I plan to retire from this position on November 15, 2020, if God uh, spares my life, and uh, continue writing and speaking and training and mentoring young leaders. I went to Fordham University uh, to earn my bachelor's degree in religious studies. Prior to that, I went to Rutgers to major in community development. I earned my Master of Divinity degree from Princeton Theological Seminary here in New Jersey and my Doctor of Ministry degree from the United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. I'm married and have twin sons who live with me in Mama's Junction, New Jersey. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. No, no grandchildren yet. No grandchildren. Okay. So let's discuss your, your, your new book. Say yes when life says no. How did this all, how did this book come about? I was diagnosed with cancer during the most successful year of my life. The year was 2010. I was in good physical shape. My church was growing. We had been featured on CNN in a 90 minute documentary focusing on our financial ministry and things were just going well. Uh, my sons had previously led their basketball team to a state championship, and I'd never really been sick a day in my life. The diagnosis came right after the CNN um, documentary aired, and when the doctor told me that I had cancer, all I could think was death. And that moment was the epitome of what I call life saying no. Whenever you reach a barrier, whenever there's an obstacle that literally shuts you down mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually, it's as if uh, a big door has been slammed in your face. And I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to be diagnosed with cancer. I had never been sick in my life. And I went to the scripture for inspiration. I, I had to make decisions about treatment. I had to decide who to tell, who not to tell. 
And I went to John chapter 9, where there was a story about Jesus healing a blind man who had been blind all of his life. I went there for inspiration related to healing. And what ended up happening was I was probably more inspired by the man that was healed than the healer himself. This blind man obviously had been told no all of his life as it related to sight. And like he was blind physically, I was blind mentally in that I couldn't see past the cancer. He couldn't see past anything. So in studying this chapter for inspiration, I really obtained a kind of mentor in this blind man and decided that if if he could go from being blind in the morning to seeing in the evening, then I need to really study his behavior, study his responses. And that's where the Say Yes When Life Says No book came from. Uh, and I'm cancer-free today, but it wasn't it wasn't just what God would do for me. I've discovered that God also expects us to do certain things for ourselves in preparation of what God would do. So that's what the book is about. It took me eight years to write the book. Uh, I reflected on any number of times in my life when life had said no. My sixth grade teacher told me I'd never finish high school. And if I did, I'd end up in jail. When I was 19, I was kidnapped by drug dealers who didn't like my anti-drug efforts. And so it, it became clear to me that successes in life, outcomes in life, start with our willingness to say yes, even when life takes a sudden turn, when people turn against us, when it looks like we've been shut down. Uh, we start by believing that there can be something better and then pursuing it. And the depth of that where you you know you realize that you're 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 up against the wall and that meaning of belief that faith to to take that step what, can you share with us some of the emotions that you went through when you were dealing with that situation sure the very first emotion was that of being alone i felt as if there there would be no one who would understand exactly how i felt that there was no one that I could depend upon to encourage me and walk me through this challenge. Now, of course, as I write in the book, here I was at the Cancer Institute of New Jersey, which was built to respond to people who had cancer. <laughs> uh, so intellectually, it was obvious that I was not the only person who had cancer. But when you're facing a crisis, when you're laid off from your job, when your child gets the flu, when there's death in your family, although intellectually you are very much aware of the fact that you are not the only person going through it, at that moment you feel very much alone. And that emotion helped me connect with this man in the story because when the Bible says that Jesus saw a blind man as he walked alone, it was clear that the blind man too was alone. And so I had to really work through whether or not my being alone would turn into loneliness, which is an emotion that can really shut you down, or whether I would use it as a moment of solitude, which would help me reflect and meditate and really be inspired to know what's possible. And that's a key distinction. Although it's the second chapter in the book, it was the last chapter I wrote, because when you are alone, if you don't make a conscious decision to seize that time and use it for redemptive purposes, 
you, you can become so lonely that you see no hope, you have no hope, and you become isolated from uh, your family, from your friends, from society, from your church. And uh, that emotion coupled with the feeling of failure and or rejection can really cause you to give up on life long before life actually ends. And when you talk about uh, seize that time for redemptive purposes, how does one seize that time and, and use that time uh, to, to be with God, to be with Jesus? Yeah, there's, a, there, there's an expression that many people use. You can't control what happens in life, but you can control how you respond. Uh, one of my intellectual heroes is a Jewish uh, victim of Holocaust who survived the concentration camps. His name is Viktor Frankl. And I quote Frankl in the book because Viktor Frankl, while he was in the concentration camp, essentially said that he would not let the concentration camp be in him. And so he used the time in his concentration camp and said in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, that you are not defined by your circumstances. Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in jail. While he was in jail, instead of giving up, he learned the language of his enemy. He actually read books and studied so that by the time he came out, he was qualified to be president of the new South Africa. So the idea is to take your circumstances, to take the moments when you are alone. And instead of counting your problems, you count your blessings. Instead of uh, feeling sorry for yourself, you look for sources of inspiration. What I did was look to this blind man who I affectionately now call Mr. Blind Man. Uh, I looked to him to see how it was he made it through that day, having experienced a number of challenges, having been born without sight and ended up being able to see his dinner, see the sun go down, and I took the principles. You see, what happens in, in religion, and particularly in Christianity, is that we often fail to separate uh, principles from practices. We can't do everything the Bible says do the way it was done. But to be a Christian does not mean that we go back 2,000 years and do physically what they did at that time, but we extract the principles and the principles of how this blind man got through this day, being criticized by Jesus' disciples, having mud put on his eyes by Jesus himself, uh, being sent to a pool where no one had ever been healed before. These, these principles translate into actionable steps that we can all take today. And I placed those steps in this book because I started by taking those steps myself. Wow, that is that is very powerful. And as you take these redemptive steps, um, I'm sure there there is a, a lot of prayer. And oftentimes, I, I I saw a scripture recently where it said we we must be truthful in our prayer uh, to God, and and that what we ask for is of a good nature. Right. How does one stay on that right track? Uh, without seeming to come off as being, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just focused on themselves, if you will. Um, being selfish, that's the word I was looking for, in regards to what their immediate need is. Well, I, I think we all need mentors in the first instance. And 
not all mentors are people that we know. I talk, I talk in the book a bit about business development and how often people start businesses using other people's money. And what I talk about in the book is that instead of using other people's money, perhaps we should think about using other people's experiences. Because if you have experienced something and your strategy worked for you, it may be that I can learn your strategy and use it myself. Now, we do that in, in almost all areas, and there's nothing wrong with doing it in response to life's challenges. I have always been an admirer of people uh, who historically uh, rose above their circumstances. I just read a book uh, on six African-Americans who were born in slavery and died millionaires. You see, the more we learn about other people's strategies, the more we learn about other people's successes, the more we can apply their strategies and their principles to our own lives. And so I don't think it's a matter of being uh, selfish. I think we have to have uh, a certain sense of responsibility because if I can't take care of myself, if I can't resist uh, temptation myself, if I can't achieve certain levels of success myself, I'm not really going to be that useful to other people. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Pastor DeForest Sores, who is the author of the new book, Say Yes When Life Says No. Uh, Pastor Sores, um, what, is, what do you hope that the reader will come away with? Are there a few common threads that you really hope that the reader comes away with? Sure. My theme in life is to develop solutions. You know, um, I, I, I like motivation. I like to be motivational. I like spirit. I like praise. But at the end of the day, I'm hoping people who read the book or who hear me speak will walk away with something strategic and tangible and tactical. I had a preaching professor one time and the preaching professor said, whenever you preach a sermon, you should ask yourself the question, if everyone did what this sermon was suggesting they do after they hear it, what, what would that be? In other words, there, there are times when it's appropriate to just make people feel good and motivate people or make people laugh. But my, my work has always been designed to motivate people to do something concrete after they're motivated. So I'm hoping this book, this book will uh, help people identify strategies that they can use in response to the various ways life can say no. The, the truth is this, it doesn't matter how religious you are, how much faith you have, how much money you've made, or how much education you've achieved. The reality is life says no. The only way life will not say no is for uh, life to be uh, problem and worry-free. That's impossible. Every life is going to experience some disappointment, some challenge, some obstacle, some barrier. That's not news. What, what, what people need to know is that as long as you have awakened this morning, there is a strategy you can use to get past the no of your yesterday. So that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping people will get a strategy from the book. It's got a workbook that even helps people more specifically focus on strategies within the next 31 days. I've met too many people who talk about what they could have been if they had known then what they know now. 
Well, if you know now what you know now, then you can use what you know now to get where you need to be so you can stop saying, if I had known then. So that's what I want. I want people to get not just a what, but a how. And I've offered numerous suggestions on how to get past your no and get to your yes and then be able to reach back and teach others. Well, that is awesome. And are you planning to do some lectures and seminars uh, focused on your book? Well, I have the great benefit of preaching uh, every Sunday morning. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) I'm able to articulate uh, these principles. I'm also on Sirius XM radio, and so people can hear me preach all over the world uh, on Sunday mornings and Sunday afternoons. And then I'm doing a book tour. I've got probably eight or nine cities where I'm going to do a fireside chat, questions and answers and book signings. So we do plan. We do plan to get the word out. Uh, On my website, there are about eight individuals that have done testimonials on how their lives have required them to develop a yes response to a no in their lives. And so people can go to my website, dbsories.com, and we'll continue producing content because it doesn't matter where you are or who you are or how you are. The reality is that life comes with twists and turns and life comes with peaks and valleys. Life comes uh, with sudden uh, surprises. And if African-Americans are any example of anything, it is how you could be faced with overwhelming odds and seemingly insurmountable op- opposition. But here we are, we, we, you know, from, from being sold like animals and worked without pay to being presidents and members of Congress and business owners and pastors and athletes and our history as a people is saturated with examples of the whole society saying no. The Supreme Court in the 1800s defined us legally as less than human, which means that every black person in America was told, no, no, you are not human. No, you don't have rights that whites have to observe. No, just no. We were told after we died fighting for the freedom of this country, uh, and brought our bodies were brought back here. We were told, no, you can't be buried in white cemeteries. We were told by insurance companies, no, we won't insure you. We were told by governments, we, no, you, you cannot vote. And so the black experience is really the best paradigm of possibility if you want to see how people can have the capacity to say yes when all of the social, economic, and political structures where they live say no. So here we are, and which I write about that. Which is a great segue because I know you are a huge advocate of diversity on corporate boards. Tell us about what you're doing there to help America to realize that there is a lot of value in having a very diversified board. Yes, you know, uh, when I was younger, having come out of civil rights activism, even as a teenager, my focus, as was most of ours, was on political opportunity and political progress. In the 60s, the barriers that prevented Blacks from being full citizens 
were, were torn down essentially by public policy and by political activism. And so in the 70s, we looked at uh, electing people to office and a phenomenal number of African-Americans were elected to local county and federal uh, offices. But then as we came into the 80s, realizing that our economic future was really what would determine our ultimate quality of life, uh, I began noticing that the real movers and shakers were moving into not just corporate jobs, but corporate governance, corporate boards. And uh, I went on my first corporate board in the early 90s, and I began seeing the opportunity to make a difference at the corporate policy level table. Uh, what I recognized was that very few, uh, very few blacks were on corporate boards and even fewer who were on corporate boards were really reaching out, helping others understand how to do that. In fact, uh, it's, it's almost like a closed society and most people are shocked that corporations will pay you to come and sit on their boards and give them advice. So I decided that I was gonna to try to break it open a bit and so I created a course. I've been on six boards, all of whom, all of which have paid me to be on those boards. Uh, they're not like church boards and YMCA boards. They, they pay you and they, they pay you sometimes in cash and stock. And so I decided, the Bible was right. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. And God has blessed me significantly. I'm on three corporate boards today. I control the salaries of multi-million dollar executives. So I put together a course, it's on, you can link to it on my website, dbsories.com. I call it a masterclass. And the masterclass is called How to Become a Paid Corporate Director. It's 15 modules. And the people that have taken the course have unanimously given a rave reviews. I'm helping people develop the strategies that they need to be on corporate boards and a few have already attained board membership. So go to my website if, and in many ways, not only is the course designed to teach you how to do it, but it's really designed to motivate you to wanna do it and believe you can do it. So I have a, a webinar, a one hour webinar, how to become a corporate director. And then if you really wanna go deeply into the opportunity, I have a 15 module course and you can access both of them through my dbsory.com website. Wow, that is excellent. And um, I don't know if you know uh, Julie Dom uh, at Spencer Stewart. Uh, no, but uh, Spencer, Stewart, Spencer Stewart is one of those search firms that help people connect with corporate boards. Uh, companies right. hire Spencer Stewart to find new directors and particularly women today, the law uh, in California and there are few states where there's law pending uh, required that corporations in those states have women on their boards. And so we're working hard to help women access those opportunities. Absolutely. But, but Spencer Stewart is Spencer Stewart is a great company that does. That. But I will be sure to introduce you to Julie. I've, I met her some many years ago and, and we stay in touch and uh, I get some mailers from her every now and then. But Whatever I can do to assist you in, in, in your objective, that will help us help out our world community a great deal. Good. Well, let's get as many people as we can, uh, women and people of color, on these boards to sit inside the boardroom to help set, help set corporate policy. And uh, in so doing, hopefully close the wealth gap and the income gap and all the other gaps that exist. 
And and are you seeing um, are you seeing the numbers increase significantly over the last five to ten years? Oh yeah, and I, 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 I know there's a lot of work to do, but um, are, are are you seeing that it's making a difference? Yeah, the numbers are increasing, but again, I think for those of us who are fortunate enough to be inside these corporate boardrooms and have a seat at the table, it's incumbent upon us to do the outreach to increase the numbers. We shouldn't wait for corporate America to change. We have to be the agents of change because the truth is this, 85% of new corporate directors get there by personal contact. You know, Spencer Stewart, Hydrogen Struggles, and these other firms, they do a good job, but the reality is it's an inside game. And the way you get on a corporate board is through somebody already on the corporate board. That's just reality. Right. And, and how did you get your start for your first corporate board? Uh, my, my church was around the corner uh, from a small bank and the bank president needed help with the community. And he asked me to come serve on the board. He thought it would help the bank and it did. And I thought I could use the position to help our people, which I did. And the rest is history. And it was truly a win-win. It was a win-win situation. I brought value to the bank, and the bank brought value to the community. Boy, that is beautiful. And you have, an, as, you, as you have announced earlier, your retirement as a senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Leaking Gardens, effective November 15th. What do you see as your next calling? November 15, 2020. Oh, 2020. Thank you for that correction. I gave the church 18 months notice to ensure that we had time to find a successor, to ensure that I contributed to the transition process, and to ensure that the momentum that the church has now would not be hampered by the departure of, of, of uh, the pastor who has been here for 30 years. 30 years is a long time. And uh, it, can, it can take a minute or two to transition from the old to the new. And it's, I, I believe it's incumbent upon those of us in leadership to not wait until we're too sick to talk or too weak to walk or just too tired or too anything else or just die before we leave. Too many of our institutions are dying because leaders held on too long. Uh, that is very, very noble of you, really. I have to applaud that that outlook. A lot of organizations, not just churches, but corporations, they have a, a problem with an orderly transition from one leader to another leader. Right. So what I will continue to do is to speak and to write. Uh, I'm doing a lot of work in Africa. I'll have more time to spend in Africa helping uh, African leaders develop economic strategies and educational institutions. I will uh, do a lot of mentoring of young leaders. I will not be in search of things to do after my retirement from the church. I guess your, your, your calendar is already full. <laughs> it's filling up. Yeah. That's, that's good. And so we have just about a minute to go. Uh, Pastor, sorry, it's been, uh, sorry, it's been, a real pleasure to have you in the program. What, what closing thoughts would you like to leave with our audience? Well, I'll be at the church for the next uh, 17 months now. So I'd like you to stop by or worship with us online. It's fbcsomerset.com. I'd like uh, people to really focus on economic strategy and, and not be so discouraged by what happens in the political world 
that we fail to see the opportunities that exist. I always tell our people that there's always someone making money. I don't care what the economy is. I don't care who's in charge of the White House. And I think what we have to do is look for economic opportunities that, that we can create for ourselves and with each other. And so if I have any parting word, it's this. The only thing worse than not having what you need is not using what you have. Wow, that is powerful. I want to thank you, uh, Pastor Soros, for coming on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, again, we're here with corporate board director, author, and pastor DeForest Soros, who is the author of the book, Say Yes When Life Says No. Uh, please pick it up. It's, it's available all over the web. And also, go visit his website. And that website is Pastor Soros? D-B-S-O-A-R-I-E-S dot com. D-B-S-O-R-I-E-S dot com. And send me a note. If you go to the website, send me a little note. Let me know that you visited. Send me an email. I'll respond. Very good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up on this week with on leadership. This is Darrell Gunter, your host. And I want to wish you a very happy weekend. And uh, remember, leadership begins with you. WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net.